You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. What a joy it's been to be here. So refreshing, so encouraging. And I want to commend this church. You cannot have a meeting like we've had the last couple of days without faithful folks like you. Some of you don't have the schedule, the time, the energy, or the desire to be in the building last night and Monday night, and we respect all of that, but we could not have a meeting like we've had without you. For someone like me that just blows in town, drives down the road, and comes and preaches for a couple nights, and, you know, mistakenly will get the credit for what happens, I know better, and I know that it takes a church with a big heart to open up their building. I know churches in America that are shutting their bus ministries down and canceling all meetings like this because they don't want hoodlums tearing up the church. And yet you are opening your church, opening your hearts. The more we're opening your pocketbooks. How many know money talks? Somebody say amen right there. And 23 people are headed to heaven as a result of it. It's been worth it. What a blessing. And so my my gratitude to all of you and your kindness has just just been remarkable. Let me say publicly how much I admire and respect your pastor. I've repeated this statement many, many times out of his presence, and I have repeated it in his presence simply because I just believe it. He is one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And I've been around people all my life, more people than I want to be around. (laughs) Uh, He is so kind, so refreshing. Every single person that I talk to says the same thing. And I know you know it too, don't you? And you're blessed that God's man and Pastor Kobanat is here. And I have appreciated him. He goes out of his way to spoil me. I I keep telling people, I think my wife is calling down to these churches and saying, my husband lost a lot of weight, put some meat on him. All right. So, and the pastor has been so gracious and we have eaten. A couple years ago, he exposed me to Haggerty's. And uh, he made a mistake because now every time I come, he doesn't get to eat anywhere else but there. So on Monday night, we went to Haggerty's and on Tuesday night, we went to Haggerty's and tonight we went to Haggerty's and he's been trying to offer me other places. And I think in the middle of the night at three in the morning, I'm going to be saying Haggerty's, Haggerty's, Haggerty's. And, and we word the same thing every night. We, 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 we branch out and try a different dessert, but we get the same food every night and it's just absolutely been wonderful and I appreciate the meals I appreciate the accommodations there in the missions house and all of the things that are done there to have a clean place to stay there's nothing more disheartening than sleeping in a place that's not clean all right and I don't have that problem when I come here to Victory Baptist and I'm so grateful so pastor thank you for the time our fellowship and friendship has been precious it is something that I cherish I look forward to I'm humbled by the invitation to be here Nowadays, I'm asking people, you know, I'm I'm trying to give them a way out. I've been going to these churches, a lot of churches, a lot of times. And so I'm telling them, listen, you do not have to have me back. The worst thing in the world is trying to get rid of someone and not knowing how to do it. All right. So so I'm always like, I know you inherited. I was coming before you got here and you feel like you're kind of stuck with me. And, you know, we got to keep having this guy come. I don't know. Affirmative action, something. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, and I'm like, look, you do not owe me anything. And and yet they so graciously 
allow me to come. And honestly, the privilege of being here is mine, not yours. I really, really appreciate it. So I, I want to thank you for the fellowship. And while I fellowship with the pastor this week, it's been my privilege and honor to fellowship with the staff. And I appreciate the men that work alongside your pastor, all of your pastors that are on staff here. And they are just good men, good, kind-hearted, loyal. I love the way that they serve God and serve with God's man. They serve with humility. I watched each of these men on the platform this week, and I watched them afterwards breaking down this platform. I watched them up on scaffolds and ladders and, and running tables back and forth. And I watched them ministering with, with the young people, and I watched them picking up and tearing down. And it's been my joy to fellowship with the pastors of this church this week, these couple of days. My, 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 how refreshing it's been. One of the things I have learned so intimately these last three years, and these over two decades of being married and trying to chase our way to 25 years in a couple of years, I have learned the last couple of years to value my wife and appreciate her more and more. My wife was bathing me in the bed for, for weeks and bringing meals up and down the steps and, and, and uh, rubbing me down when I was nervous about going to sleep and, and giving me an inhaler when I was gasping and, and checking my oxygen and, and making sure I dieted properly and, and driving me around and running to the grocery store and doing so much. And I am so thankful for my wife. I really believe I, I, I would have died in the hospital had it not been how I saw God in my wife's face. Could not have any visitors. And the nurses came in every four hours. The doctors visited briefly in the morning when they made their rounds. They stood so far back from me, nervous of getting what I had. I could see in the prep room before the nurses and doctors came in as they gowned up and masked up and gloved up in a room right outside my room and then came in. And they basically told me, whatever you need, you need to tell us when we come in, because it's going to be four hours before we come in again. Put me in a room where none of the air seeped out and I couldn't see anybody. And uh, the last thing I asked my wife for when she left the hospital after the doctor said, you need to leave when they checked me in. I was 105 temperature and they were going to test me. And they said, ma'am, you need to leave. And I said, honey, could you get my charger? And uh, I'm glad I said it, you know. Uh, maybe there are some preachers in America that preach against cell phones. I'm not one of them. I tell you, thank God for that cell phone. Thank God for FaceTime. And my wife sat on the phone with me for hours and just looked at me. I could, I could barely talk. I was gasping. I had pneumonia in both lungs. I had oxygen. And she said my pulse was throbbing in my neck. And she just sat there and smiled. And she told me she loved me. I remember she saying, I, I said, honey, you're such a wonderful person. And she said, you are so handsome. And I said, you are such a liar, you know. <laughs> and uh, she was, she, I saw God in her. And I so appreciate her. Every, every time I'm somewhere, and my wife gets to go with me quite often, but every time I'm somewhere doing the work of God, she's doing it through me. I could not do it without my wife. And so I want to publicly thank God for her. And if, if, if anything I'm doing is a blessing to you, then you should appreciate Bethany because she is such a vital part of me and what she's doing with our children when I'm not here and what she does with me and her ministry and the accountability that she is, her, her wise counsel to me, all of these are priceless 
entities and commodities that I enjoy every single day, which is why when the service is over tomorrow, I wouldn't dare spend one night in that missions house. I'm going home. All right. All right. I got three hours of 95 at at 830 or three hours of 95 tomorrow morning. And I tell you, three hours of 95 tomorrow morning is akin to purgatory. All right. Uh, or tribulation. OK, so. I told the young people here that 95 is the first thing that God is going to destroy when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, all right? And all I ask is that he lets me be present when he does it, all right? And so I'm going to go home and see my wife and family tonight, so I, so I covet your prayers. But let me say that while I thank the pastors for the opportunity to fellowship with them these last couple of days, I'd like to publicly thank all of the wives of the pastors, Mrs. Coburnett and Mrs. Russ and Mrs. Bybee and Mrs. Johnson and Mrs. Russ and Mrs. soon-to-be McManus. All right, uh, you don't know who she is? Oh, I'll let you know after service. But anyway, uh, on the side, when I'm not pastoring, I'm a prophet. <laughs> but, but your husbands ate, ate dinner with me. That means that they weren't eating with you. And your commitment to loan them to the work of God is commendable and it's precious. My wife shares me with a lot of people and I, not that I'm much to be shared, but the fact that she does it. And just tonight when I was getting ready for the service, I just thought, thank you wives for your commitment to the work of God, your commitment to your husbands to allow them for three nights to sit at the table and fellowship with the man of God. And so I cry a lot now. Uh, I cried a lot before COVID. But now I cry like a woman. And, uh, so, um, I'm just, I am, I'm intentional, intentional on thank yous. Because when uh, life flashes before you, you begin to appreciate things. So when you love on your pastors, don't forget to love on their wives. And I just mean that. Don't forget their wives' birthdays, their, their wives' special days, their children. Because there's nothing that means more to me than when someone loves on my family. And for these men to have been as much of a blessing to me as they have these last couple of days, they've got good wives. And I hope that you all appreciate what God has given you. What a wonderful church you all have. I look forward to being here. I just, I greet the men, get hugs from them, and I, I'm, I, I just... I just love people. I love people, all kinds of people, black people, white people, skinny people, big people. I mean, I just love them all. And uh, heaven's going to be just a whole bunch of different kind of people. And uh, if you're prejudiced, you ain't going to enjoy heaven. You might, you might need to go somewhere else, all right, uh, uh, if you're prejudiced, because you're just not going to fit up there. My wife says, you say everything. I say everything everyone else was thinking but was too scared to say. And uh, I just, I am who I am. I've, I've, I've never tried to be anything else. I'm, I'm me, and it ain't the best, but it's me. And I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. The church has heard me say this so many times, they can say it in their sleep. I'm on a mission. Loving God. Loving people. Nothing else matters. So I'm on a quest. I'm trying to take every single area of my life and fit it into one of two of those categories. And if it doesn't fit, I'm trying to eliminate it. Loving God, loving people, nothing else matters. And I want to tell you tonight, I love God, 
and I love you. Psalm 23, would you go there in the word of God? I'm, I'm just having a time in the Psalms and God is helping me. For all that are physically able, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? This is probably the most familiar psalm in all of scripture and yet it has, it has helped me these last several years more than ever. If we're not careful, we'll read something so much we don't know what it means. We get so used to it. We will have quoted it so long, memorized it at such a young age. We are, we are so used to finishing its verses before the preacher finishes reading it, but it's never become real to us. Aren't you glad that the word of God is quick? That means alive. Somebody say amen. amen. It is not dead. It is not some mere recitation. It is not some catalog of man's opinions or thoughts. It is not some outdated, stale, mundane book. I'm telling you, it's alive. Amen. And in October 2023, we need something that is right and relevant. Amen. There is never the danger of that which is absolute ever becoming irrelevant. And so the Bible will never be irrelevant because it is absolute. It transcends every age. It trumps all of cultural shifts and trends and paradigms. And America in these last days, more than a new administration, more than better politics, more than better information, more than sharper kids, and more than better real estate, we need the Bible. Amen. <laughs> and I'm glad that somehow God took 40 different men over 1600 period time and produced a manuscript that's inspired, infallible, and inerrant from cover to cover. It's still the bestseller. The B-I-B-L-E-S, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. You find me a book that is altogether perfect and prophetic and preserved and preeminent and probing and piercing and penetrating and probing and profitable and precious and powerful and perfecting all at the same time. When we legislate this book out of our public schools and we move it out of our thinking, we're not just taking a book out. We're literally removing a philosophy of life. We're taking the words of God and putting them out of there. May this group of people, if committed to anything, may we be committed to this precious word of God. Because I submit to you that what you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. May God help us to do something with the word to God, word of God tonight that will help us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. If you know it, say with me. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let the church say amen. amen. Say it one more time. Amen. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we beg for unction to function tonight as your vessel, asking you to cleanse me of sin Empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. I'm leaning on you. I understand that although you don't need me, I certainly need you. Now, Father, for this church tonight, I'm not at Crossroads. I'm not at Emmanuel. I'm, I'm not at Solid Rock. I'm not at New Testament Baptist Church. I'm not at Gethsemane. I'm at Victory Baptist Church. And may tonight not be a sermon from a briefcase, but may it be the message from you for this church. I take this responsibility seriously. Now, Lord, about three hours up the road, I would ask you to watch over my wife and my family while I'm gone. You do a great work. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It is my practice to read the Bible every day. I believe every believer ought to read the Bible every day. Well, I'm glad that three of you agree with me. Let's try that again. I believe that every believer ought to read the Bible every day. Absolutely. And so I committed some time ago to read the Bible every day. So when I get up in the morning, I read a proverb of the day. And that proverb is in conjunction with the day of the week. Now, the month, the day of the month today is, I believe, 25. Is this 25? So this morning I read Proverbs 25. And I spend time, then I read four Old Testament chapters and three New Testament chapters. So two New, two New Testament chapters. So I'm in Proverbs, four Old Testament chapters, two New Testament chapters. And then I read five Psalms a day. So every month I read through the Psalms. So the Psalms seem to take on a new light in my life. How many know that the Bible sounds different based on what you're going through? And there are passages that you've read over and over and over again, and then you get to it at this time, and you go, why didn't I see that before? Because you weren't going through that before. And it's amazing how God talks to you differently when you're going through something differently. So I'm reading Psalm 23, and I'm getting on it, and I'm reading it, and I know it, and I'm quoting it, and I could say it in my sleep, and it's almost like it jumped off the page, like some of you just did when I clapped, and it's almost like God was saying, it's been here, it hadn't changed, it's, the words are no different, but it means more to you now than it ever has before. Do I have a witness in the house tonight? There are more than 500 references to sheep in the Bible. Sheep in biblical times represented chief wealth and livelihood of people, providing food to eat, milk to drink, and wool to make cloth and covering for tents. Sheep was also a medium of exchange and, and a source of sacrifices. But as valuable as sheep have always been, and as valuable as they were in Scripture, we must understand that the very nature of sheep is gentle and submissive. They're gullible, easily led astray. Isaiah 53 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. He is brought to a, to, as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Here's what the, the writer of scripture is saying. A sheep getting ready to die and doesn't even know it. Jeremiah said, I was like a lamb or as an ox that is brought to slaughter, and I know not that they had devised devices against me. Sheep by nature are defenseless. Micah tells us in the remnant of the Jews among the Gentiles, many of them will be as a lion amongst the beasts of the forest and as a young lion among the flocks of the sheep who if he go through both tread it down and tear it in pieces and none can deliver. Matthew 10 says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Sheep are in constant need of guidance and care. Numbers says, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep, which have no shepherd. Jesus said they were scattered abroad as sheep without a shepherd. They are not intelligent. Listen to me now. Uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone, turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Is anybody listening to me today? Sheep are prone to wander. They're, they're gullible, easily led astray. They, they, they are in need of constant guidance and care. They are defenseless, as valuable as sheep are. They cannot defend themselves. David said, a lion came against my sheep. A bear came against my sheep. He didn't say them sheep said, bah, and the lion ran. No, he said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear because one of the responsibilities I had was to protect my sheep because they cannot protect themselves. I'm simply saying they must be guided. They must be led. They must be defended. They must be sheltered. They must be looked out for. They must be watched 
They need a shepherd. And when David picked up his pen on the hillside and began to write Psalm 23, he understood what he was talking about because his job by nature was to watch over sheep that needed help. And he knew those sheep needed him as a shepherd. But please listen to me tonight. David not only knew that the sheep needed him as a shepherd, David knew he was a sheep and he needed a shepherd. And Psalm 23 just as gullible, just as defenseless, just as unintelligent, just as in need of constant guidance and care, just as, just as foolish as his sheep were, David knew that he was. And when he picked up his pen in desperate need of somebody to take care of him and somebody to lead him, all with great conviction, he could say in Psalm 21, not only do I need a shepherd, I have a shepherd. And aren't you glad that David could say, not only do I need one, not only do I have have one, but I got the best one. Not the president, not my mama, not my daddy, not my friend, not my lawyer, not my doctor, not my cousin, not my boss, but the Lord is my shepherd. And tonight I'd like to remind you in these last days, we're in a crazy world and we're, we're fighting the flesh and fighting the devil and, and fighting, uh, the, fighting the enemies of, of our society. But I want to tell you tonight that it's as bad off as you and I are. And let's just get it on out the way. Listen to me. Come on now. Say amen if you know it. We're a mess. Somebody say amen. We are a mess. I hear people say, oh, pray for me. I've been fighting the devil. I've been fighting the world. People are picking on me. That's the truth. But the biggest person I fight every day is me. I'm my biggest problem. Listen, we are a mess, but aren't you glad that on a Wednesday night we are not stuck out here in this crazy world figuring out things by ourselves. Somebody ought to get happy tonight that the Lord is our shepherd. And for a few moments tonight, I want to remind you what David was talking about in Psalm 23. This passage that we know, that we've heard, that we've quoted, that, that we've embraced, that we, that we recite at funerals, that we, that we give people when they're going through trials. Somebody's got to make it personal tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. But I'm glad he chose to. I'm glad we have the Lord as our shepherd. Now, when you have the Lord as your shepherd, follow me quickly tonight. You have complete satisfaction. Notice David said, I shall not want. You know what he's saying? When you got Jesus, you got all you need. How many of you know that that's true tonight? I shall not want his inherent sensitivity. I don't, I don't want because he knows what I need. He watches what I need. He's my infinite source. He gives me what I need. Aren't you glad that you don't even have to say it? Jesus knows you need it without saying. Aren't you glad a shepherd can spot when the sheep has a need and look out for the sheep because he knows his sheep? Somebody ought to get happy tonight that Jesus knows you. Amen? He gives complete satisfaction. Look, look, look at verse number two. He gives a controlled supply. Notice verse two. He maketh me. Notice he leadeth me. What do you mean the complete supply of the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. He maketh me lie down. Aren't you glad that God in his controlled supply has a divine placement for me? He maketh me lie down. Where? He gives me purposeful downtime. Listen to me. We are 2023 individuals in the United States of America. We all busy. We're all tired. We're all stressed out. We're all running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Aren't you glad that the shepherd is so good, so wise, he knows when to lie down? Sometimes we have to settle down. He's making me lie down. Sometimes God has to put us down to remind us. And by the way, maybe God allowed COVID into our lives to give us some downtime. I'm not talking about sleep. I'm talking about 
Serenity. I'm talking about to be still and know that he's God. He gives us purposeful downtime and he gives us a proper diet. He making me lie down. Aren't you glad? Listen, you break down on 95, you liable to starve to death. Watch this now. Because you can't get the Bojangles if you're stuck on 95. But aren't you glad that when the shepherd lies you down, he makes sure that he lies you down in green pastures. He makes sure he doesn't put you down where there's no food. He makes sure he doesn't slow you down where there's no, there's no provision. He makes sure he doesn't stop you where you can't get looked out for. He gives me divine placement and he gives me a directed pleasure. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Not the rapid waters, not the raging waters, not the loud waters, not the rumbling waters, but the still waters. Listen to me, in these last days, aren't you glad that God knows how to take you by the still waters? For we're living in a world that's looking for peace. There's chaos in the Middle East. There's chaos everywhere we can turn. There's fighting on our streets. There's killing. There's crime. There's division. But aren't you glad that the Jesus we serve is a God of peace? I tell the members at Crossroads Baptist Church, seems like Amazon's coming to my house every day. Um, when I go out of town, we come back. We got packages all over. I mean, you can hardly get on the front door. Amazon must know my address uh, by heart. They must drive to us by sleep. Somebody in my house is on Amazon all the time. My wife says, honey, why'd you go to the store? You could have just gotten it from Amazon. Amazon has everything. And they about have everything, but I've never seen Amazon deliver peace. Yeah. <laughs> Walmart don't sell it. eBay doesn't list it. Dr. Phil and Oprah don't have peace on their show. Watch this now. <laughs> but I tell you what, something about the shepherd. He knows how to lead you beside them. Maybe somebody tonight needs some peace in your life, peace in your marriage, peace in a relationship, peace in stuff that's going. Maybe you got a lot of chaos and the devil's attacking you. And maybe you're trying to find peace in all the wrong places. Could I tell you the best place to find peace is get in line behind the shepherd. Amen. Control supply. Number three, he gives contributed strength. Wow. He restoreth my soul. Come on, let's take our halos off a little bit tonight. Let's just admit it tonight. Sometimes we need some restoration. What does it mean? It means to bring back into existence or use, to bring back to original condition. Life is rough. Life is cruel. We get beat up. We get messed up. We slow down. We get out of line. Sometimes we get off the path. Sometimes we get into stuff we shouldn't get into. Sometimes we just, we just get stale. We just get rusty. We just get burnt out. Aren't you glad that the shepherd knows how to restore your soul? He gives timely correction. He gives thorough cleansing. He gives tender compassion. He restores our soul. Maybe somebody's here on a Wednesday night and you're tired and you're wounded and you're weary and the devil's on your back and your trials are beating you down and your body won't act right and your mind seems to be going crazy and this world seems to contaminate you and you think if one vacation or moving to a different zip code or getting out of a ministry or going away for a while is going to give you restoration. Listen to me, I'm telling you the shepherd knows how to restore. Number four, he gives capable supervision. He leadeth me. Look at verse three. He leadeth me. Huh. You ever got behind somebody didn't know where he was going? And it's not, it's not only bad that they didn't know where they were going, but the worst part about it is that they volunteered to lead. Why did you get in front if you don't know where the place is? All right, we're going to the restaurant. Who's going to go? Oh, I'll go first. You can't go first if you don't know where you're going. You know, you, know, you know what's wrong with America? We got a lot of people all throughout our culture trying to lead, don't know where they're going. 
And you know what's worse? We got a lot of people that know they can't lead that are behind them. And when I say him, I'm not just talking about political. I'm just talking about everywhere. I mean, sometimes the worst person is trying to lead in school and the worst person is trying to lead in church and the worst person. Let me tell you something. I'm glad tonight that I've never gotten behind the shepherd and he went off a few miles and went, oh, no, oh, no, where I am. I'm glad that he listened to me. He's got the whole world in his hand. He knows where he's going. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're lost, if you're confused, if you're directionless, get in line behind Jesus. He knows where he's going. I feel a preaching storm coming on right about now. Boom, shaka, laka, laka. Amen. I'm glad he knows. Have you been in line behind the shepherd? He leadeth me. Well, how does he lead me? He leads me in a righteous path. He leads me in the path of righteousness. I hear what they're saying. Well, <laughs> people love to toot their horn, don't they? Oh, I love the Lord. I do whatever the Lord's telling me to do. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You can't be following Jesus and not doing right. So if you're doing wrong, you can't tell me you're following Jesus because Jesus never leads anybody to do wrong. Pastor, the Lord led me to date this boy and the boy's not saved. The Lord didn't lead you. The Lord led me to this church and the church doesn't preach the Bible. The Lord didn't stop putting God's name on your paper. He led me in the path of right. If I want to do right, I got to follow Jesus. If I'm following Jesus, I'm doing right. I'm thinking right. I'm treating my wife right. You're submitting to your husband. You're obeying your parents. You're tithing 52 weeks out of the year. I tell our people, don't get nervous when I start talking about tithing. I haven't even started talking about your money yet. The tithe is the Lord's. When I'm following Jesus, I'm doing right. Somebody say amen. He leads me in the righteous path, but he leads me for a rightful purpose. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Finish the verse with me. For his name's sake. Talk to me now. For his name's sake. One more time. For his name's God doesn't have you do right to sign Bibles or to get Facebook followers. God has you do right to make him look good. For his name's sake, if you're ever trying to look good doing right, you're not following the shepherd because the shepherd doesn't have you follow him to get glory. He has you follow him so as he leads you, he gets glory. For his name's sake. Number five, he's a calming solace. Yea, though. How many of you wish we never had to come to yea, though? Yea, though I walk, but I will. But watch this now. If, you, if you're in line with the shepherd, you're going to have to get to yea, though. The valley of the shadow of death. I'd like to talk to the young people tonight. I, I wish I could tell you that adolescence doesn't include yea, though. I wish I could tell you that the, the life of adolescence has no valleys and it's, it's, you, it's, you got to get grown to go through valleys. No, no, let me tell you something. Our young people are going through valleys. And if we're not careful, we'll teach them to learn the rules of the church and never learn a relationship with the shepherd. And that's why our vast majority of young people that graduate from high school are never coming back to church. Come on. Ain't nothing wrong with long skirts and high shirts, but bless God, we want them to learn more than how long their skirt ought to be and how high their shirt ought to be. We want them to learn how to walk with Jesus because Christianity is more than about skirts and shirts. And I'm for modesty, just for the record. God help us, God help us to, to not just introduce our, our young people with the, with the, 
with the routines of church and the, and the rules of Christian school and, and let's punch the clock and let's just run in and say we did it and come to church and say we did it. God help us to showcase and to model before our young people a relationship with the shepherd that says when you move out of daddy and mama's house and when you move to another city and go to another church and you go to a college and your youth pastor's not there, guess who's going to that college and to that other church and in that other zip code with you? The shepherd's there. The fretful plight comes along. The, the valley of the shadow of death. I was there. You preach it for so long and then you experience it. We don't know if you're going to make it. We don't know if you're going to live. And, and people I love are laying on their face all night long. And, and I'm having a conversation on FaceTime with my wife about what happens if I die. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, in those moments, I don't need a six-pack of Budweiser. I need a shepherd. I don't need a, I don't need a stress ball to school. I don't need a, a four-leaf clover. I don't need a good luck charm. I certainly don't need a hospital chaplain. I need a shepherd. And I'm going to tell you something, your fretful plight, your valley may not be almost dying of COVID. Your valley may not be cancer, but I'm telling you what, if you live long enough, you're going to have a valley. It may be a prodigal son. It may be a rough marriage. It may be confusion. It may be the loss of a job. It may be the passing of a loved one. It may be a predicament you've ever planned on. And I'm telling you, my friend, when the fretful plight comes, you can have a fearless persuasion. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no. You say, how can a fretful plight be accompanied by a fear? Fearless persuasion because you got a faithful presence. He didn't say I'm not afraid because I'm the man. He didn't say I'm not afraid because I got good genes. He didn't say I'm not afraid because I'm I got courage. He didn't say I'm not afraid because I work out every day. He said, I'm not afraid, for thou art with me. Aren't you glad? Perfect love casteth out all fear. Somebody's going through something tonight. God gave me this message. I just believe somebody's going through something tonight and it's scaring you. You're afraid because it's it's our natural instinct. And you're going to psych yourself up all you want. No matter how much you psych yourself up, that fear just won't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity is not about psyching yourself up. Christianity is about walking with somebody who doesn't need to be psyched up. Aren't you glad he is with us? I'll tell you what's good about the shepherd. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Somebody ought to say amen for the shepherd tonight. <laughs> Bless his holiness. He gives comforting security. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hmm. Thank God for the rod. Thank God for the staff. By the way, the rod was used as a, a counting process. The, the shepherd would use it to count how many sheep he had. Well, could, could I just get happy tonight and say, in all the years that the shepherd has had sheep, aren't you glad he's never lost one? Come on now. You say, how? Some people say, how do you know you can't lose your salvation? I said, let me give you a simple answer. Because I haven't lost it. And if anybody lost their salvation, I would have. And the fact I still got it means it's not losable. Amen. 
Aren't you glad that Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors to him that loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We are kept by power until the day of redemption. I'm glad that if it wasn't my good stuff that got me saved, it ain't going to be my bad stuff that'll get me lost. I'm glad that I'm going in on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified into. This is the record that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He that hath the son hath God, hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. Let me catch my breath. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I got in on Jesus. God's got a way that you can't go over. God's got a way that you can't go under. God's got a way that you can't go around. He said you must come in at the door. And I've come to tell you he's the door of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of legislators. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. The heaven of heaven can't contain him. Let a man alone a man explain him. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him out your mind. You can't outlive him and you sure can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stump a pilot, couldn't find a fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't hell him. And the grave could not hold him. There's been nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He had no predecessor. He had no successor. You can't impeach the shepherd and he ain't going to resign. Somebody give God the praise tonight. He's a good, good shepherd. I'm glad that he never loses one. The staff was used for accounting process, but the, the staff was also used for credible protection. That rod and that staff, they, they comfort me. When, when the enemy came off, the, the shepherd could use that rod and staff to just poke at that enemy and say, leave him alone. Aren't you glad that God knows how to run the devil off? <laughs> so listen, we're going to get to heaven and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my life all those times. And God's going to say, yeah, look about all them times. You didn't even know I saved your life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You drove on 995 every time you drove on there, you saved your life. Somebody said, it's not about being a good driver. It's about protecting yourself from the bad ones. Hmm. So there was a counting process. It was credible protection, but it was also used as a connecting pull. There was a hook on it, right? See, the one end was to drive off the, the attackers from the sheep, but the hook was to pull the sheep back when he wondered. Come on now, come on now. I know I got some honest people here. How many of you are here tonight, not because you're such a great Christian, not because you just walk with the Lord, not because you just got the holy gene more than other people did. Come on, let's just keep it real now. Some of us are here tonight because when we tried to go astray, the shepherd said, get back over here. Thank God that he knows how to pull us back in. There's a convenient spread that prepares the table before me. I spent six, seven weeks on this at church. I'm consolidating it into one message. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Oh, what a table. Good gracious alive. Sovereign protection. You want to talk about a meal at Haggerty's. Wait till you get one the shepherd makes. <laughs> Nobody makes a spread like Jesus. How many know he feeds good? Come on. Don't let the world act like they're eating better than us. We eat good. Sovereign preparation. Splendid provision. Wow. Here's what I like about it. The seeing people that prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemy. If you're not careful, you spend all your time as a Christian complaining about all the attacks and the devil, and it's so hard, and people persecute me, and people talk about me, and people laugh at me, and it's just, being a Christian is just so difficult. I tell you what, everybody's always running me down, and I got all these people around me just picking on me and making jokes of me, and, and I got all these people at my job that just 
that they just make fun of me because I'm a Christian and I'm just tired of them being around me. Listen to me. Let them be around you. As a matter of fact, give them a front row seat and feed them popcorn. Watch this now. Stop complaining about enemies. Jesus had enemies and we have enemies. You know the good thing about enemies? They're getting close to destroy you and eat you up. But God doesn't let them eat you. Instead of, instead of letting them eat you, he makes them watch him feed you. It'd be good enough for him to prepare a spread. It's even better that he prepares it so the enemies have to look. That's why you can't quit when you're under attack. Because you're being watched. And you know what lost people say when God feeds you in their presence? Boy, they sure got a good shepherd. I wonder if there's anybody on your job that's been watching your shepherd feed you. Anybody, in your family, anybody on social media been watching your shepherd feed you? Recovering sufficiently. I'm knowing it's my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. Spirit's filling. Aren't you glad that the, the shepherd knew how to put the oil on the sheep? Boy, aren't, you, aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? The Spirit's filling brings about a supplied, fulfillment, a supplied fullness. My cup runneth over. He said, well, the shepherd, fill, shepherd fills me up so good it runs over the cup. You, you know how you do the old folks. You put the cup on top of the saucer and the gravy ran into the saucer. You just, you just pick the saucer up. I tell you, God's so good it runs over. Sometimes you got to put the bowl down and pick up the saucer. Amen. What a good God. Amen. And I close tonight with, there's a concluding surety. Verse 6, surely goodness. David said, I made a... I have a favorable conviction about God, about the shepherd. Goodness and mercy shall follow. Goodness and mercy shall follow. The, the word follow in the, in the Hebrew there is the word radoff. It means to chase or hunt or pursue. Anybody know that David knew what it was to be hunted? Saul hunted him. He had to hide from his own throne because his predecessor hated him. Everywhere he went in town and even out of town, Saul was hunting him. How many of you know it is, not being, it is not fun being hunted by somebody trying to kill you? But in Psalm 23, David said, them ain't the hunters I'm talking about. I ain't talking about Saul trying to kill me. He said, I look behind me. It ain't Saul trying to kill me. You know what I look chasing me down? Goodness and mercy. Good gracious of God. Them two twins I like. And they come together, don't they? Goodness is like grace and mercy. I mean, goodness is God giving me good stuff I don't deserve. Uh, mercy is God not giving me bad stuff I do deserve. And I got a mama that, that did both. Most times she, she didn't do goodness or mercy, she did justice. <laughs> and, I, and it's a wonder I can sit on this stool and talk about it. <laughs> Aren't you glad when it seems like you're so far off the circuit, when your spiritual cell phone doesn't even have a signal, and it seems like you're so alone, and you're so wounded, and you're so at the end of your rope, you feel like you've checked in at a at a place where nobody you know can find you. And out of nowhere, there's a knock on the door. And you're thinking, who in the world's at the door? I didn't even tell anybody where I was. And you open the door and they say, hi, we found you. Who are y'all? Goodness and mercy. We have a tracker on you. Doesn't God keep blessing us with goodness and mercy? So that's my favorable conviction. Here's my fervent commitment. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Watch this now. If the shepherd keeps being this good to me with his goodness and mercy, then don't you think the least I can do is stay faithful to him?
I will dwell. I ain't going nowhere. I, I'm, I'm not quitting on the shepherd if the shepherd never quits on me. Somebody say amen. amen. Now listen to me. Listen, I'm finished. I'm finished. Psalm 23. It's done something to me. It's made me appreciate my shepherd. Listen, it's 2023. The world's not going to get better, folks. It's not going to get better. But we're not going to go down because the world's getting bad because we got a shepherd. Now, here's, here's the invitation tonight. We got to do a better job following him. Am I right? We got to do a better job following him. Now, I don't know what the practice is of your Wednesday night invitation. But we're just going to just have one right now before the music even starts. If you say in your heart, you know what? I could do a better job following the shepherd. I could. I should. How about this? I will. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Nobody's heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody's playing any music. I just feel led. Right where you are, you'll get up out of your seat and come find a place on the altar. Let's talk to the, to the shepherd tonight. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. The, the problem is not the shepherd. The problem is we're not in line. We try to keep up with everybody. We're trying to rationalize our, our mistakes with, well, the world's gotten so bad. What, 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 what the shepherd go? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at thebcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.